Hi, James. Ben, how are you? Uh, I'm okay. How are you? Good. Good. Yeah. Long, long, long time. Long time no talk to. Yeah, I know. We got a little bit of flack for that. Sorry, everybody. Uh, yeah. No, it's okay. It was. It was my fault. Um, or actually, it was both of our faults. Uh, mm-hmm. One, your parents were in town, and two, I was on the road, which um meant we accidentally missynced our dates. So, uh, it was impossible. It happened. But I, I had a real. I had a few really good conversations about the future of technology with my mom and my dad. <laughs> well, good. I, I. I. I hope that. I hope that comes up. <laughs> we'll see how it goes yeah it was good to see them i hope your travels went well too they did they did it was just a very very short trip so it was fine um so uh yeah i mean your mom is is whenever we do start you know if we were to ever have a third person obviously she should be top of i think she'd love that very much This episode is sponsored by Wealthfront. Wealthfront's an automated investment service built for the modern era, and it's making it easier than ever to invest your money well. How do they do it? Well, Wealthfront uses software instead of retail locations, salespeople, and so on, so it can offer sophisticated investment advice at low costs that were previously impossible. It's exploded in popularity in the last two years, and they now have more than $2.5 billion under management. Check them out at wealthfront.com exponent to get up to $15,000 managed for free. And once again, our thanks to Exponent for, for sponsoring uh, <laughs> Wealthfront. Yes. Thank you, Exponent, for sponsoring Wealthfront. That's awesome. <laughs> Don't edit that out. Leave that in. Yeah, our thanks to Wealthfront for, for sponsoring <laughs> Exponent. Uh, cool. Um, sorry, I'm a, little, I'm a little out of it, obviously. Uh, I was up very late last night uh, playing some PC games, which is not true. But it seemed it seemed like a a reasonable segue. It it was believable until you said it wasn't true. I've been up very late over over many a night playing PC games. Oh, what 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 did you used to play? Man, I got hooked on all kinds of things. From like the Blizzard games have got me at various points in time. Uh, as have oh gosh, I used to play some of the Unreal games. Uh, a whole bunch of stuff on Steam, like like a lot of people got pulled down into Portal and Team Fortress, uh, and yeah, the the list goes on and on. Oh, interesting. I haven't really played PC games since since college, so I think I ended it around like Quake Two or something, or Quake Three. I think was the last was the last game I really played. Um, but th- I mean, I was that was when I was you know making my own PC and all super hardcore into it. Uh, but no, so you're 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 actually a relatively recent. I rel- at least relative to me, relatively recent player. Then yes, I um, I <laughs> absolutely. I I stopped when I I I get oh, no. I I get into these horrible. I have an addictive personality. I'm just going to put it like that. And I disappear down the rabbit hole for weeks at a time. And uh, there's something about having a full time job that is that is not conducive to disappearing down the rabbit hole uh, on PC games. So I. There have been times when I've been able to do it, and there have like more recently. I just know myself well enough that I I need to not go near it, or things are going to get bad real fast. <laughs> well, just 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 say that you're going to Burning Man. <laughs> well, I can take a week off at Burning Man, and then the city disbands. There's no there's no opportunity for me <laughs> for me to string that out any further. The uh, the PC gaming unfortunately doesn't shut down after a week. <laughs> Yeah, so it's so I mean I imagine uh so you haven't played uh in, in a while. Um I imagine you paid for most of your games. Uh almost all of them. I can't think of any game that I disappeared down the rabbit hole. I mean, for for a little while I might have got into one of the Candy Crush sagas or something, but it's more like a a two or three day long addiction as opposed to something like uh World of Warcraft or Diablo or something like that or or like one of those other ones where it can just be like I'll see I'll I'll see you in a couple of months, <laughs> right? Well, I I think what's so we're, we're the reason we're talking about this is um, uh, Chris Dixon wrote a really interesting article uh, that in many respects I think connects to some of the stuff that we talked about last week and and that I've been writing about and it's about PC gaming specifically and uh, and he he makes a, a few different points that are that are worth paying attention to. What he talks mm-hmm. about you know just how large the market is, um, you know Steam. Uh, which I, I've written about once or twice, but it's, it's actually super interesting. It's at 125 million active users. Uh, they really, um, in in some respects, uh, Steam arguably uh, that that one stings Microsoft. I think more than even more than something like the iPhone. 
Like the iPhone, you can, you can, Microsoft can feel like, well, we just got beat fair and square, right? Yeah, we were on the mobile. We were trying to make a mobile phone. Apple did it better. They won the market. You know, that, that's what it is. Um, the thing with, the thing with Steam is Steam is, uh, is basically a, a Trojan horse that sits on top of Microsoft, right? It's basically an app store for Windows for all intents and purposes. And, uh, and Microsoft doesn't own it. They don't control it. Steam does. And they make a lot of money off of it. Uh, they take, you know, about 30% of the games and all the revenue th- through them. And uh, as Dixon notes, made about $1.5 last year. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, which, which and, and you think about it, imagine someone owning the, you know, owning the app store on top of iOS, right? That, that would be, you know, that would be unfortunate. But that's effectively what happened on Windows and, and when it comes to, comes to Steam. I remember when it first came out and I was like, mm, I'm not sure I like this. I, I, I don't want to have to pay for, I don't want to have to give my money to get locked into some wall garden. And then what they did when they started making it cross-platform. So you buy a game on the Mac or you buy a game on the PC and it works on the Mac as well. And I was like, okay, you've got me sold now. This idea that you 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 buy it once, it runs anywhere, you have this library of games, you download it and they're ready to go. New computer, you just log in, do it. It's 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 a fantastic experience. Yeah, no, it it, it is, but I, I think that um I, I suspect that most people didn't adopt Steam because of mm. uh Mac compatibility. Uh I, yes. at least a at least a PC game. <laughs> I, I well I think there's something I mean, there's a lot about it right off the bat that seems that a particularly you know, gamers would be would be opposed to you know things like it, it's DRM, you know, mm. as 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 it would have to be. Um, it it's controlled by a single company. It, it, there is a walled garden aspect to it. Um, but I think it's it's a powerful reminder of just how well powerful convenience is. I mean, it it it's convenient to just be able to buy games and now them not to get a box and then it handles all the other stuff, all the updates and then and then once you get into mods and all the various pieces around a game that you know to keep it to keep it up to date to try new things it's just a much better system than buying a game in a box from amazon or wherever and then having to download patches and from all sorts of places to have one single thing that takes care of that and again we're talking about like the the people who are totally capable of doing that right mm. i mean they're 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 you know like me back and they probably putting together their pcs in many respects or I guess that's you know less common now than it used to be, but certainly a, a lot do. And and yes, they could go and manage to you know piece all this stuff together, but they don't. Why? Because it, it's a why? Why would you want to do that? Yeah, it it. I mean, I can I could see something like this being built in a way by a big faceless corporation where it's really a nasty experience and they're thinking mostly about how to extract more money out of people. But the the whole system feels like it's being built by gamers for gamers and it means it's a fantastic experience. There are always deals going on where you get bundles of these games that you otherwise wouldn't be able to get. It it just it it's just after you use it for a while, you you begin to think it's it's kind of similar to um the app store on iOS, like after using it for a while, you, you can't help but think, man, this is just the way it should be. Right. No, exactly. And, um, and and I think that that's something that is easily like there is real value. And I think that it's, it's often, uh, undervalued, particularly by technical people, um, in convenience, uh, like convenience is, is worthwhile and it has its own rewards. And yes, there are there are everything's a trade off, right? And um and the thing is, and the good thing I guess about the PC in contrast to something like iOS, and this probably is is something that that most Steam users would say is, well, you can always you can always not use Steam, right? Mm. I mean, League of Legends League of Legends, one of the most popular games, is not is not on Steam. You can you can get it separately. Um, but that said, th- it's certainly incredible what Steam has has enabled and done. And and the other thing to remember is people complain about app stores and, and like Steam takes 30% and Apple takes 30% and everyone is griping about this. And these gripes really are, I, I might've complained about this on the podcast before. I've certainly complained about it in, in on Stratechery. Uh, like it, it's such a, uh, I, I don't know what's the, I don't want to say looking a gift horse in the mouth or something, but it's such a uh, short-sighted understanding of, 
of the way the software market used to work. I mean, it used to be back in the day, if you wanted to get any sales at all, you had to get on in like CompUSA or, or and get on a shelf or get something along those lines. And, and the cost to do that, first off, it was incredibly difficult. The barrier to entry was absolutely massive for one. For two, they skimmed off way more than 30%. Like, like I've heard anywhere from 60 to 70%. And, and, and that's, that's not including all the wholesalers and all the people mm. in the middle between getting from here to there so that you, 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 you're, you know, at the end, you're barely making anything. I mean, just as a, um, I, I don't know the, uh, I, I didn't work in publishing, but say, take a book, for example, right. An actual printed book, an author collects like 8% or something. Uh, like, I mean, just because there's so many hands in the middle and the process of getting it from here to there, uh, like. To, to think about a 30%, one, is amazingly small. And then two, the fact that anyone can publish on there like it is an incredible opportunity. And I don't know, the, the like complaints about the App Store, like there, I have a whole litany of them. But one I really don't have time for is this 30% angle because like uh, the fact is they made the mark, like these, these, companies made the market it's far better than it was before mm. should it be less we can have that debate but let's have it in a appropriate sort of historical context of where we are yeah i think people forget where where they've come from and they see they see what looks to be like apple or valve collecting uh i, I mean i'm going to i'm going to use their language as opposed to what i necessarily agree with but they they see apple or valve collecting monopoly profits and they they get bitter about it, and they do forget where where they've like what it used to be like. And I mean the the extent to which they've increased the size of the market and made it so frictionless for people to to get to these games and open it up for people, so they don't need to. Uh, so anyone can publish on it. I I don't know. I agree with you. I I think it is. It's looking a gift horse in the mouth. Yeah, I mean, I, probably the fair one to complain about is iOS, just because again, I, on on Windows or or um, you can publish your game outside of Steam, right? You don't have to go through. There's Steam. competition, yeah, and that's 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 a very good point. Like the fact is, if if Valve gets to, I mean, they have to appeal to publishers as well. They they people are opting into doing in, into publishing on that platform, and they can still reach consumers the old way. Whereas with iOS, there isn't really an alternative. Well, the issue isn't the thirty percent cut, actually. Though I mean that that's yes that that doesn't help anything, but the the bigger issue is uh, you you make money. One, there's no way to signal to really uh, demonstrate quality. Like, because if you want to charge $100 for an app or $1,000 for an app without a trial or any sort of way to, like, how are you going to mm. demonstrate that it's worth it to the customer? I mean, there's a reason why we've had trials for for uh, for software for ages. And yes, uh, there's some sorts, of, you can sell directly to big companies and enterprises and have a sales force and win. But the whole point is, the like that gets away from the entire thing that that's great about the app store the fact that it's open to anyone right the mm -hmm. fact that anyone can get in the door and the problem is you can get in the door but you're it's like you have to walk in the door and you have to go through like a, an airport security screening first and they take away everything that you have and you just have to like kind of wave your hand around and say i swear it's a good app like there's there's no way to demonstrate quality number one mm. and then number two uh you can't make money off your current customers like any business it's far easier to monetize your current customers than it is to get new ones of course you need to always be growing because you're going to lose customers but in in, in the long run you want to make money off your current customers and this isn't i'm not referring to uh i'm not meaning this in any sort of abusive way the point is they're getting consistent value from your app and you need to be able to capture that value over time not just capture it one one time, and this is why pay to play games work on work on iOS. It's because uh, they you you play it, and if you play it more and you want to get something, and you pay. Like actually, for all the for all the angst about pay to play games, from a quote unquote fairness perspective, they're actually very well attuned to to the relationship. The people that play them the most, that get the most uh, value from them, that's where they get the most money from. Like if, if you want to talk about there being excess consumer surplus, um, like arguably that's the best 
match of all the of all the models on the store. No, I agree. Uh, it's. Um, it's. I mean, we, we've decided we've decided that they're you know they're they're preying on people like you with your addictive personality. <laughs> I yeah those um. The uh, <laughs> the Candy Crush people might have seen a little bit of my money when I got uh, got into my three day or five day binge or whatever. It right, was. But, but I mean, you, if if you if you will be honest with with us, mm. uh, how much do you think you spent? Mm. Candy Crush probably not so much. Clash of Clans probably got me a little bit more. Clash of Clans is probably the only iOS game that um, got me closer towards the StarCraft thing. But there's just not the same depth in iOS games that there is in StarCraft. And plus the screen isn't fantastic. But I think Clash of Clans, uh, it was definitely into two figures and it may have gotten close to three. Okay. How many hours do you think you played it? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. It that that probably went on over the course of uh, a month. Like it wasn't. It wasn't something so like a hun- yeah, a hundred hours, fifty hours. Man, it's really hard to uh, guess. In like I, it's um, I'm so not trying to avoid the question. It's well, so just basically, hard you, to guess in you were almost certainly paying well less than a dollar per hour. Yeah, I, I think that's probably about right. So why are so if if you look at it from that perspective, I mean, you you are obviously a functioning adult. Um, uh, you're, you're holding down a, a good job. Mm. Uh, you're not, <laughs> you know, you don't have any delinquent children or something like that. <laughs> that I'm ad- I- admitting to anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> there's like, I don't know, maybe just to be a bit of contrarian, like, are these pay to play? Yes, of course. Anything can be abused. And yes, are they preying on your your addictive personality? At the end of the day, you pay less than a dollar an hour to have a pretty enjoyable experience. And my, my brother in law plays Clash of Clans a ton, and and um and and by all accounts, it's a great game. It's been it's been um you know I I've actually heard mostly good things about it, besides mm. the fact that it, it's pay to play. But um you know if you think about it, there's there's actually a lot of nice alignment going on from as far as business model, as far as incentives, as far as the people getting enjoyment from it. You can mm. go into that game, you can play it, and eh, not for me, and that's fine. No, no skin off your back. Uh, you can go in there and get super sucked in and want to do more, and then and you're basically paying for the right. And I don't know, like uh, the almost the 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 most warp thing as far as app store economics is the idea of ever paying upfront. Like basically the, the app store model for most software is just utterly and completely makes zero sense. Mm. I'm going to pay sight unseen for uh, a piece of infinitely reproducible software. Mm. Uh, and then if I like it, I'm going to use it forever and never pay another dime. And if I don't, well, I guess I'm out whatever. Yeah. Whatever I'm like yeah it, make, I, it actually makes zero sense. No, I think that's fair. I guess, I guess my, so from a, from a, like I'm a perfect, perfectly rational uh, human being, I think it's entirely reasonable. And like, there was no one putting a gun to my head. It was, uh, it was the choice I made. I guess like the objection is more on principle. Like one of the things I like about PC games is it's all about skill. Like it's it's rare. Now there are exceptions, like the the farming that happened in World of Warcraft, for example, where you'd buy characters or you'd buy gold or or whatever. But oftentimes in PC games, it's uh, how far you progress is determined by skill. And I think for people who've grown up in that environment or 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 care about these things a lot, I guess. Um, the the notion that you buy your way to the top or you buy all the gold that you need to get whatever it is is something that leaves a little bit of a like it it, it puts a craw in people's throat like it gets stuck in their throat a little bit but I mean from a from an economics point of view like these are these are rational actors deciding to do it I decided to put the money in I have I have no objection to it it's more it's more just the like I want to beat someone because I'm better at it than they are as opposed to beat someone because I, I have uh, all this money lying around that I'm willing to spend in games. Like, that can be a bit frustrating. Yeah, so it's interesting. So, so Dixon made that same point talking about the PC gamers. And, um, and so what's interesting, though, is this sort of economic imperative towards, and we, again, we've talked about this in the context of writing. We've talked about in the context of, uh, I've written about it in the context of open source last week mm. in software. Like, in this idea of when it comes to uh, intellectual property on the internet, Given the fundamental nature of the internet, which is basically infinitely copying everything hmm. every, anywhere, like that's how the internet works. Like, um, you don't actually like download stuff; like you copy stuff. Hmm. Um, 
the uh like it just you're pushing a rock uphill to try to restrict access to it right and yes. it's very that's very much an old analog world sort of way to approach the problem is that you presume there's scarcity and if there's scarcity you can sell you can sell access to the scarce good to the people who pay the most uh when there is no scarcity that makes zero sense uh and so um I think what I said in my post, like you, you, you it's like trying to you know, it's the old try to sell ice to an Eskimo, right? Mm. It's theoretically possible, but the ice better be just unfreaking believable. Okay. Um, so it, what's interesting in PC gaming though, is to your point, I think PC gaming in particular, and again, I'm taking Chris's word for it. It's, and you just kind of confirmed it. The whole idea of paying to pro- progress in the game is very anathema, right? And so the, the, the smartphone, you know, pay uh, free to play model uh, doesn't necessarily fit. So what's interesting is that a lot of PC games it, have gone even farther, which is free to win, basically meaning you can play the game in its entirety and never spend a dime. Yeah, or, or where there needs to be an economic incentive. One of the things that Dixon raised is is you you, you buy mods or things that that that, that, that it's more like f- f- uh, uh, fashion uh, that you deck out a character and it looks really cool. In fact, there was a very clever post on um, on uh, or a very clever. Um, very clever comment on his post by a gentleman saying that I like to think of Dota as the world's most successful fashion company. They sell clothing and apparel and they give away the digital universe in which it exists. It was like such a neat way of describing the way they've approached it. There are other ways of doing it. So most of the games that I played were Blizzard and in terms of aligning incentives between uh, uh, user and publisher, were they charged a subscription. Yeah, there was an upfront fee to pay, buy the box and you'd and that would decline slowly over time as the game got older. And then you pay a subscription to keep playing for access to their servers. And that seems to be a, also seems to be a little bit more of a reasonable way of doing it as opposed to charging people to get, uh, f- to like put, put down a hundred dollars and you'll, you'll progress a hundred levels or whatever. Right. No. Well, I mean, I think both, both are reasonable in a way, but mm. I, I do love that comment because that's kind of the, the point I was going to make. Yes. I mean, so yeah, Dota sells, makes money by selling, uh, you know, cool looking helmets or, or whatever, mm. whatever it might be. And, and you know, that's like we, and it's easy to send the outside and say, that's ridiculous. But last time I checked uh, and took a stroll down, you know, the, the, through the department store here, people are paying a whole lot of money for, uh, you know, a bag that is completely non-functional, mm. Right. Or a shirt, or, a, or 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 a jacket, or whatever it might be, and it's like, and and you can sit here and say, well, geez, why don't you just go down the street and buy one for for five bucks, or whatever? And like, yes, you could, but like, why? I mean, like, n- n- I mean, yes, I agree. I, we're very fortunate. We are both, you know, well off. Uh, you know, group in the West. We're, we have money. We have money to spend, and there are people that would take any jacket or clothing mm-hmm. that they could get. Mm-hmm. Totally get yep. that. Um, so that said, uh, what people do, people buy it. Like there's, there's some aspect of life that is more about just the pure functionality. And we talk about this in the context of products. And it's so weird that this is even a conversation in, in technology at all. Like I made the point again and again about the user experience and the iPhone and people want to spend a little bit more on the product that's most important to their life. And it, if you back up and think about it, it's kind of mind-boggling that this is even remotely controversial. Yeah, I think it 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 it, it stems from the fact that we've come from a, 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 a the technology world, at least historically, has has always been more and more function dominated. And as it's as it stemmed further, and as it's as it's become more and more part of everyday life, that it's brought it more and more people into the fold that don't necessarily think in that very engineering perspective, and they think about things like normal people think about, which is like I have something I want to get done, and and the extent to, I'm just gonna, uh, yeah, sure, this thing might be more powerful, but if it's harder to use and I have to go through all the effort of setting it up, and it's not simple and easy and intuitive, I, I don't care it's more powerful like it's going to waste a whole bunch of my time i just want it to to work well and look good and you know be easy and people are willing to pay a lot for that well it's not just easy though we're talking i mean there's nothing about 
buying a new outfit for your for your character in Dota or League of Legends that makes it easier or more convenient. Yeah. Like there is zero, zero functional value that comes from it. And again, that seems ridiculous until you think about the fact that me paying, you know, $500 for a pair of shoes, well, maybe a pair of shoes is a bad example because they wear it out. Like for a jacket versus buying, you know, $20 for a jacket, it, you know, makes makes no sense. And yes, you can say there's a quality difference, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sure we could find some example. Oh, here's an example, right? I mean, handbags. I've talked about them before. I happen to be relatively <laughs> expert in them. Like you can spend uh, $500 and get an amazing bag that is mm. su- does everything you want to, can be super high quality, that sort of stuff. Or you can spend $5,000 on like a Chanel bag that is completely worth useless. Like it's tiny. It's hard to fit stuff in because the way the weather is, you can't stretch it. You have to be super careful about it. You know, any, any scratch shows up right away and then the, the whole thing's ruined. It's just, you know, it's very tragic. I mean, it, it is in every respect, uh, a less useful bag yet. No. And yes. Functionally. The, yeah. But in, yes, some people will look at it and say, oh, it's ridiculous. You pay it. I mean, the fact of the matter is, is people do one, uh, two, like they do look great. They feel great. Uh, uh, three, like that's just the way people are. Like people, there's, there's so much more to being a human than, than functionality or dollars and cents. There's how something makes you feel. There's, there's status. There's all sort of stuff. And yes, you may criticize that and say, Oh, you're so materialistic or whatever your, the criticism might be. But there's a certain aspect of this of this criticism, and you see this come up on all kinds of stuff that happens uh, online, where people are like almost like criticism, especially online, gets to be functional in its own respect. It's mm-hmm. like there's no there's no room for people to be people, and you may not like that. You may wish people were different, but that doesn't change the fact that people are the way they are, and they've been like that for millennia. And uh, and why should we be surprised? that the exact thing that's worked for years and years and years and years in the offline world mm. works in the online world. Because at the end of the day, why are we even distinguishing between offline and online anyway? Like, like that's the world we live in. It's all the world. The world that I am in is wherever my focus is right now. Mm. Right mm. now, my world is this podcast because I, I'm focused on it. I'm thinking about it. A moment later, if I'm playing League of Legends, like that's my world. That's, that's where I'm at. And, like they're, they're, a person's world is where they're at, their, their, their experiences, their perception right now. And to deny that and to pretend that one person's world is worth less than another is actually kind of judgmental on, on, on its own respect. It is. I mean, there's, there may be another way of framing it that makes it easier for people to understand, which is that so often people approach these things from a purely functional or technical perspective. And in doing so, they can completely uh, underweight the extent to which people will pay a lot for how something makes them feel like or what it says about them like that emotional element of uh it like i i'm not buying this bag because of what it holds yes it holds things i'm buying this bag because of how it makes me feel and if if uh, and i think the mistake related to that is because it that bag doesn't make you feel anything uh you dismiss the person who buys it but that doesn't like it, it matters to the person who's putting the money across. It's how it makes them feel. And buying that bag or buying the outfit on Dota or whatever it is, is it, it allows the individual to express themselves. It makes them feel something valuable. And that, and in a lot of respects, that that the extent to which they feel that is much, they're willing to pay a lot more for that than they are for functional performance in some instances. Always. The people are always willing to pay more for that. And not only that, but that's that's like it, it's harder to like that. That is provides much more differentiation, mm. right? Because the whole entire thing of the way an experience taps into the di- different parts of your persona beyond like the logical adding and counting part, mm. that's difficult. And it's it's like a um it it's like a nonlinear system, right? The, yeah. the, you know, there's so many inputs into what makes a particular experience works that you can think you're mimicking it, but you never succeed and you never succeed because it, it, it's almost like there's so many aspects that go into, 
any sort of experience. And it's so much more difficult to copy. And yes, we get so in tech, so focused on stuff that can be listed and enumerated and mm. have a dollar sign put against it. And, and it's to miss the point. And frankly, if, if tech wants to break into more and more of the world, as I believe it is, at least in the process of doing, uh, this is going to be a wake up call and it's going to be a wake up call, particularly, I think for, and I, for a lot of companies that want to com- that want to compete, um, you could argue that it's a wake up call for Apple, like with the watch and wanting to be a fashion company. Uh, you, know, it's it's a lot harder than it looks. Yeah, like that. The no point intended. you <laughs> the point you made about the non linearity of it is, and and the complexity of it is is such a good one. And one of those elements that goes into this non-linearity is the fact that once someone's done it, someone's done it. And being second, to, like being second to the, the market, trying to copy somebody else, particularly when it comes to these emotional type jobs that we're describing, it, it can actually have a massive impact. It's uh, you, you like the, the, some of the, some of the mentality that might goes into uh, like how it makes people feel. Well, one thing is the original and, oh, you can't afford the original, so you've bought the copy or you've bought the cheap knockoff. It's, it's th- th- there are so many factors that go into to making these things, uh, m- making these things successful and they're so hard to dis- disentangle. I-, I think the point is a great one. But to take this all the way back to PC gaming, which, which, mm. is, which is, I think, interesting reverse segue or whatever it was mm. because if you would think about it uh you would think that pc gamers would be the opposite like the stereotype would be the opposite of someone buying yeah. a chanel bag right um but it gets to the fact that we we're all human yeah that we you have exactly we have these the, like on some it's just the way we express it happens in different areas of our life like uh, uh, whereas uh, the the youngest, I'm I'm gonna horribly stereotype the the, I, and forgive me, but like the 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 uh, my sister is much more interested in handbags. I'm much more likely to be the the person that cares about. I've never played Dota, but I would be much more likely to be the person that cares about the Dota outfit or whatever. Now I look at my sister and I'm like, why are you spending all that money on a piece of leather that it, you could get uh, it could be way more functional if you spent less but the reason she's spending it is because of how it makes her feel and she's like James you're you're crazy you're spending money on these digital goods that are make believe in this make believe world why are you doing it and it's like because of the way it makes me feel like it's an opportunity to express myself the similarity is is like you say, we're all human. The similarity is very much there. We just express it in completely different ways. Yeah. I mean, everyone, like we're all indexed on like what these things are made out of and, and just because, and and so we, there's a presumption that because something's made out of bits, it's, it's worth less than something that's made out of something tangible. And and when I do it to my sister, I'm doing the, the exact same thing. It's like, it's made out of leather. Why are you paying so much more than another thing made out of leather? But to do that is to completely miss the point. Exactly. And, and this gets into like, um, again, we're, I just can't make the point enough. Like, like we're, we're all human and there's so much criticism that you get from like people who are focused on functionality and criticizing people for spending too much. And and what's, I, I, it really bothers me and it bothers me because it's in a sense, denying the humanity of the person that they're criticizing. You know, like one thing that drives me absolutely up the wall is the insistence on every tech review to to at the end say should you like is it worth it like should you buy it or not like be, because to me it's to conflate two very different things like one is like describe the like, like you got, saw this for the watch uh, for the Apple Watch a lot for example um, but it's not just the Apple Watch it's for, it's for all sorts of things um, I just picked that because it was it, 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 I think I was complaining on Twitter about it at the time but it's like oh it does this it does that it doesn't do that this is annoying this is good and it's like and it's like, so should you buy it? No, you shouldn't because whoa, whoa, whoa. it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. who are you to tell me how I should or should not spend my money or what is or is not important to me, right? Right? Like you just described all the things it does and it does not do and the things that are good and the things that are bad at. And now it's up to me 
who actually knows what matters to me, what I mentioned. Maybe I mentioned experimenting. Maybe I I want to maybe I I want to wear the thing that's made by Apple. Maybe I don't want to wear a thing because it's made by Apple. Like maybe I don't have much money. Maybe I have a lot of money. Like th- why are you being so presumptuous as to tell me how I ought to spend my money? Like can't you just tell like it, it's like such an overstep beyond what a reviewer is qualified to do. And no one even thinks about it. Everyone does this and it, it oh it drives me up the wall. Yeah, it's it's to it's to uh to it's to project one's own needs and what one cares about, like what the reviewer cares about in their life and what matters to them. Uh, and obviously at one end you have the Dota people and at the other end you have the Chanel handbag people. It's to assume that and I feel like this is what happens when people uh, look at other people and don't uh, and say, why are you doing that? It's because they project what matters to them onto everybody else and they can't imagine that anybody else cares about th- the things uh, uh, that they themselves don't care about. Yeah, I've in, in pro- a part. The review things particularly are though, because like, you'll, sometimes you get reviewers who say like, oh, I'm going to buy it. I like it, but you probably shouldn't buy it. It's like, what? Yeah, at least put in some if-then statements, right? Like well, list all the things. If you care about this, then it's great. If you don't, then probably not for you, right? Yeah, I guess just in general, the the, the point I'm trying to make is, um, uh, you know, should you buy an Apple Watch? I don't, I don't I, or an Apple Watch, whatever it's called. Uh, I don't know, but but <laughs> like, there's just there's yeah. Let's avoid like prejudging people, and, and by judging, I mean like judging. Uh, Anything that has to do with them, like, yeah, what you just said, their values. Like, as soon as you get into other people's values and making judgments off that, then that, then that, that's a problem. Yeah, so. I, I agree. I, I can't tell my sister about this podcast or she's going to have my guts for garters for all the hard time I've given her for buying expensive handbags over the years. I mean, you got to admit they, I mean, th- th- there's, there is something, I mean, I, like I said, when I, <laughs> when I, when I first, I knew nothing about, about handbags or anything when I, when I first came to Taiwan and uh, I think I went to what, Thailand, uh, on a trip and I saw some cool bags in the street. Like, I bought some for my then girlfriend and brought back to her. She was super, super pissed at me and I couldn't understand why. Uh, turns out they were LV knockoffs, um, which I, <laughs> she never like told me at the time. But then, like a few years later, when I started to like understand that world or whatever, I think I was in the store. I'm like, wait, I think I've seen that before. I'm like, oh my god, I realized why she was so annoyed at me. Yeah, uh, the 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 number of knockoffs in Thailand is really quite crazy. There's like a whole underground industry that I managed to scratch the surface of that that do all that. It's nuts. Uh, that, that's what you were consulting for. Uh, I no, that was not who I was consulting for. But uh, I couldn't afford the real thing for my sister. So again, I might have scratched the surface of. Uh, Yes, uh, for context, you lived in Thailand for two years, Uh, for twelve months. Oh, twelve months. Yeah, when you were a consultant. Um, Yeah, cool. So anyhow, getting back to the PC article, we've we has been a a a (laughs) did you just cut me off before I like admitted to intellectual property violation over the internet to however many thousands of people? Nah, whatever. So uh yeah, so so we yeah, we legends you buy this sort of stuff. So um I think the 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 broader point though is leaving aside what they're selling, uh it's 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 the same sort of model that uh again I wrote about in the context of Google and, and open sourcing TensorFlow, and I wrote about in the context of of publishing and is is that you the actual to that gentleman's quote at the bottom of the article, like the, the software is a vehicle. It, it, it's a market creator, mm. right? A, uh, words, text is a is a audience generator, mm. right? Open source is like a a, a a a network producer, and and these are valuable. They're they're valuable, but they're not necessarily worth money. Okay, but they are a means to make money. And a different and a different aspect of it, right? So if yeah. you can generate an audience through words, then once you have that audience, you can leverage that into video, or leverage that into uh, an an ad network sort of thing, or leverage that into uh, you know a podcast or whatever it might be. Um, if you have uh, a network, uh, you can leverage that in 
you like basically what Google's doing with TensorFlow is they're trying to make that kind of the standard for machine learning. That's the standard for machine learning. Uh, then everyone's on the same playing field. If everyone's on the same playing field, then the person who has who is the biggest, strongest, fastest is probably mm-hmm. going to win, right? Yeah, uh, right? Which happens to be Google because they have all the data and they have all the infrastructure. Um, and then the same thing here with, with, with gaming, you get everyone in there you get everyone in your game, everyone trying your game. Like you, you're not going to sell anything. Uh, like you're not going to buy a handbag if you're the last person on earth. Right? Because, I mean, maybe you will, because, but it will be worth zero. And the reason it will be worth zero is because the value and status comes from it. It only makes sense in the context of kind of society broadly. Right? A, a, a brand, all that sort of stuff. It's all intertwined with, with, with humanity, with, with with all that sort of thing. Same thing about getting a fancy shield, right? It only makes sense in the context of there being a thriving community, a thriving group of people in there where like this is it's again, it's it's a nonlinear system. All this stuff is is interconnected in a way that's hard to to tease apart, but it's all definitely necessary for for creating something meaningful and valuable and worth money. I, I yeah I, I agree. Uh, I'll push back on you one thing. I'm thinking of that uh, Will Smith movie where he's the last guy on earth. If I I will say that if I uh, found a Ferrari lying around with a key still in it, I probably would take it for a spin, regardless of the fact I was the last guy on earth. One, but one but you th- would take it for a spin for the functional, yeah, enjoyment. functional. So and it, I mean, almost like with, if, if there is no society, like we're we're reduced to functional uses. Yes, if you think right. about it, which is which, yeah. which is which is, and again, this is why all this stuff is hard to tease apart. Like in like Apple, Apple folks will 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 get riled up about the like, oh, the iPhone is a status symbol or, or 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 it's marketing or whatever. And and yes, I can understand being annoyed by that. But on the flip side, so what? That's the way the world works. Yeah, I I think on some level, people, I mean. I don't know. There's an extent to which some people are more comfortable acknowledging the fact that they're doing it uh, for the approval or the impression they're having on other people. Some people are okay acknowledging that. Other people are less okay. Well, it's not that. even just approval of other people. It's that. It's that the yeah. The that's fair. A a a, a Chanel bag or an Hermes bag or whatever it might be. It maybe I I don't wear it for other people. I only I only carry it for myself, and I mm-hmm. do carry my Chanel bag every day. Um, <laughs> it looks good on me, doesn't it? Uh, it absolutely does. I, I favor the boy Chanel in particular. Um, <laughs> so uh, I carry it. Maybe it's just like oh, because I derive. I just enjoy having nice things, right? But that definition of what is a nice thing that that drives that enjoyment, like that's that you can't divorce where my personal sense of value in that object came from from the fact that society happens to value it as well. Right. Like, again, that doesn't make it a bad thing. That's just the reality. You can't separate this stuff. Ultimately, everything is tied together. Mm. Yeah, I I totally agree. There's one other observation that I'd I'd come back to on the PC gaming thing versus a lot of the other content industries. And as I was reading through the Dixon article, it struck me that these guys from a business model perspective had been very fleet of foot. Now, there are certain things that probably made it easier for them versus the, uh, the movie or the music industry. Like they don't have quite the same extent of issue over rights, but they've, they've progressed from selling boxes to selling, uh, to, to, to distributing things on Steam, to like giving games away and figuring out how to monetize fashion, like giving away the the world and monetizing fashion inside the world. Like it's it's remarkable how fleet of foot they'd been and how well an in, uh, uh, the industry as a whole has managed to. Uh, uh, to give up assumptions of the past around, like you made the point, words words were once valuable and now they're not valuable. So we're going to use them in a different way and use that, leverage that to monetize something else. It's impressive how well the PC gaming industry has managed to do that. No, exactly. And there's something, I, I mean, and certainly lots, you know, companies and studios have closed all the time. It's a hard business. It's a brutal business to work in, um, particularly as a developer. Um, but, at the same time, business is hard, right? Most businesses do fail. The people who succeed actually usually do work really freaking hard. And 
And I think that's forgetting some forgotten sometimes. Um, you know, w- w- if you go back to how the PC game industry evolved, when you were back in the day when it was super hard to get your box on on the shelf at CompUSA, mm-hmm. um, if you had those agreements in place, life was easy, right? Because once the, once you got your box out there, then what else were customers going to buy? There was such limited choice. And people will look back on the old days of software like, oh, it's so much better. You could make more money back in the day, et cetera, et cetera. Like this is the this is the flip side. Like by lowering the barrier to entry, you're massively increasing competition. And so in some respects, to be a game developer, you if you want to be a successful one, you have no choice but to evolve in this way. And you have to evolve like by def- because the, the, everything has changed. And it's like people want, the internet has made things so much easier and, but that doesn't make being a business any easier. Like in, in some respects, it's made it harder. Yeah. It's lowered well, the well, barriers. Yeah. Well, it's just like competition and business has always been hard and the parts that are hard might have changed. Like maybe the hard part before was achieving distribution. Mm. And now the hard part now is, is discovery and, and making it to be and, and letting people know about it. And so you have to be free. So people actually try your game, right? Cause who's going to pay up front. Um, when there's so much competition out there, but then on the back end, you have to evolve all the, all the other stuff. And, and the point is, is that just because the internet, I feel like there's a lot of people that gripe about this. And again, I have lots of criticism about the app store and and issues with it, but I feel a lot of people complain because, uh, they want business to somehow be easier than it was in the past. And the fact of the matter is, it's like if you change, if you flip a lever on one side, the lever on the other side is going to mm-hmm. move, right? You can't, you can't enjoy the fact that the app store has made game distribution massively easier and more accessible on one hand and think that somehow you get to work less. The fact of the matter is we cry about these independent developers that can't make any money or knowing, or, or, or in all these sorts of things. And again, there are structural reasons uh, that, that work against that, but that doesn't change the fact that running a business is hard. Getting people to give you more money than you expend to create something is a fundamentally difficult proposition that, that, that demands creating differentiation and a way to capture that excess value. It's a hard problem. And it's been a hard problem for as long as there has been business and the internet doesn't make running a business easier. It changes how you run a business but at the end of the day, business is hard. It was hard before. It's hard now. And I feel like there's a lot of these complaints. Think about this in the context of the old world. And they forget about the fact that you just got a huge part of what it used to run a business. You now get it for free. Yeah. I, and I mean, that's I, I'd take it even further. It, it used to be that the game was successful based on your ability to negotiate with distributors or, or, or secure a publisher that will, will do that. All those parts have been abstracted away, and now, it, it, not to say it's perfectly like this, but it it does it, it it's the the what makes you successful is closer to your core craft than these uh, ancillary business aspects w- which used to determine the winners and the losers. Now, of course, like there's still a massive amount of luck as to whether a game goes viral, and yeah, there are these massive brands that have emerged as a result of this to so people's uh, to, to maintain people's attention. But if you make a great game, like your, your ability as an independent developer to make a great game exists now, whereas that never existed in the past. I think that's, I think that that's exactly right. And this, and this is why I was the frustration I was trying to express before when it came to people crying about the 30%, right? Like the, the fact of the matter is the 30% is 30% for everyone on the app store. So let's shut up about it. And like, get down to like building a business. You know what I mean? And, and frankly, uh, uh, there was a, there was an article this week um, uh, on medium. I'll, I'll link to it uh, talking about it and repeated. One of the things that just drives me up the wall that uh, the problem, why games aren't sustainable on the app store is because developers uh, race to the bottom in pricing. And, and it's like, as if we should coordinate, like uh, all the hundreds of thousands of developers around the world and let's all shake hands and agree to charge higher prices. Like <laughs> it doesn't work that way, right? Everyone agrees. All you need is one person to charge it lower by a dollar then another person lower by a dollar. And guess what? In approximately 0.0005 seconds, you're back to $0. Mm-hmm. Like you, you don't 
change economic systems. And believe me, plenty of people have tried. You don't change political <laughs> systems. You don't change economic systems by like getting everyone to agree to do something that's not in their self-interest. Like you change systems and you change companies. And this is why management is such a, a fine art because management is not about telling people what to do because you can't tell people how to do everything and they're not going to listen to you most of the time anyway. What management is about is creating a series of incentives where people naturally do the right thing because it's in their interest to do so. And, and it's, that's why when I talk about the App Store, I criticize Apple and I, uh, and I criticize specific rules and policies in the App Store because the way that plays out is that guides incentives and that guides the behavior of people. And frankly, given the rules in place – Developers should be priced at zero. Anyone who's not priced at zero is doing it wrong. You are. I'm sorry. Given the way the app store is structured, your app has to be free and you have to figure out a different way to monetize. And people want, who want to complain about a developer who goes to zero, as happened a few weeks ago, when when because other apps are for free, I'm sorry. Why is it the one developer's responsibility to take care of everybody else? It's not. It's his responsibility to do within his economic interest. And if you don't like that, then you need to talk to you need to think about the policies and rules in place mm-hmm. that make that the logical thing to do. And oh, the moralizing on the internet about this has been driving me up the wall. And now I'm gonna don't, get a bunch of crap on Twitter. Don't hate the player, hate the game, right? It, it, it's so true. Like, and you see this, you see this in all kinds of systems. What was another example? You had, you had the developer thing, there was another thing where this came up. Um, like you you have to look at this stuff systematically. Right. Like, I mean right. it's, it, it, you can't coordinate. I mean, when you do coordinate, it only works if it's a very small number of people, mm. and it's also highly illegal. <laughs> yeah, you lose control of it very quickly. Yeah, it, it's called it's called being a cartel, and there's things called uh, antitrust regulation that 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 don't allow that to happen. Like, yeah, and and the prisoners dilemma within that as well. There always is, right? They always fall apart, right? OPEC fell apart, right? Which was arguably the most successful cartel in the history of cartels. Like all the oil producing companies, like trying to keep price level the same, and the reason it worked was mainly because Saudi Arabia was so dominant in oil production, and they like had the discipline to at any time they could have just driven the, the driven the price down a ton and made a ton of more money. Um, but eventually, that did happen. It happened because other so many more oil producers came online that weren't part of that that cartel, and oil is a fungible good. Uh, like once, once it goes in the bathtub, you don't know where it's coming out on the other, other side. And, and so prices did eventually plummet. What? That's not how you describe a fungible good. I, I've never heard it going oil, going into a bathtub before. Well, uh, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, that, that's, uh, that's, and that's the case with money. That's the case with all this sort of stuff. Like, uh, I've been, I've been, sorry, that rant's been for a few weeks now. Yeah, no, we, I'm, I'm glad we got it out. So anyhow, <laughs> PC games. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this no, has so been fun. It, 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 you know, so, it's, so this is a really good article. We're going to link it. You should definitely read it. And, and again, it, it, but it's not, it's not just about this article. It's, a, it's about broadly. And I, what I plan to write about this week, um, we're recording this before, but when you hear this, I'll, I'll probably already written it, is about this idea that business is hard. It, it, it is hard. It's always been hard. And just – and. And like, yeah, there's, you don't get stuff, you don't get stuff for free. I mean, you just don't, I mean, everyone benefits from the internet distribution, right? All those newspapers got, got, got access, their, their total addressable market increased hugely, but increased hugely for everyone. Right. Mm, I mean, and so you, you have to evolve and that doesn't change the fact that, uh, to be successful entails a lot of hard work and, and, I don't know. I just feel like there's there's an aspect of people f- forget the fact that you you change things in one place, it changes things in another, and value doesn't disappear, and the differentiation doesn't disappear, and the way to make money it shifts. It's if if you move it out of one ch- part of the chain, it's going to go to another part of the chain. Uh, it's a clo- in this case, it's a closed system, right? What what if you change something in one place, you're going to change it in another. Yeah. No. It's it's a really it's a it's a Good way of describing it. It's it's like 
Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's this has been a. It's interesting examining this in the lens of PC gaming too. No, so yeah, no, I do. It's just I mean, uh, Dixon has a few other things in here about the idea about you'd mentioned it how there's there's very there's a lot less concern about rights and you know you can do mods and you can broadcast on, on Twitch and all that sort of stuff and how the the industry has been mostly been cool cool with it and I think in a respect uh, it's again um, maybe arguably uh, it's easy to point to game executives or publishers say wow pat on the back good on you for allowing this to happen but they didn't have a choice right this is a great part of pc game being a bunch of nerds right the, the, like they're they're not gonna give two craps about you like what like if, if you if you want to try to do a takedown serve a takedown notice on your video they're gonna make fun of you right i mean and and so there was almost no choice but to pursue this radically new model where everything's open and you give all the IP away for all intents and purposes because the audience was such that, again, these are people who put together PCs for fun. I mean, like, they're, they're not, you're not going to trick them. And, um, and so this is an extreme example, but I love extreme examples. That's why I like writing about publishing. And honestly, I want to get more into PC gaming and actually playing, but at least uh, looking more closely at it. No, but because I extreme examples are extreme today but they're 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 going to be the norm in the future oh i i wasn't laughing at the idea of it i think it's a fantastic topic i just i'm i would worry about you if you disappeared down the rabbit yeah hole. no uh <laughs> I, I think i'll manage um the the well the, i have written about pc gaming a bit mainly from the supplier perspective in that pc supp- or gaming suppliers like nvidia and mm. uh, are doing quite well they've been beating expectations actually relatively regularly and i think that that gets to another point we've talked about like there's when the addressable market is the world niches can be super duper valuable right and 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 it's so easy to get stuck in a zero-sum game where you think oh because smartphone gaming is coming along you know it's gonna they're all going to be disrupted and they're all going to die no they're not because there are this provides a different experience for a different audience and yes it may be quote-unquote a niche but when your niche numbers in the hundreds of millions, uh, there are a lot of very valuable companies that can be built on serving that specific niche. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I, despite the admission of the uh, Clash of Clans stuff, like if I was to pick up a game, it would it would be a like if I wanted to get into it, it would always be a PC game because it's just the extent of the depth and the storyline and the engagement, the graphical quality just far exceed anything else out there. So it it that completely it like i completely agree with the point but it resonates for me because i can i can i i'm not going to be without a pc i'm probably updating it less than i used to 10 years ago now but still the graphic power that the graphics power that ships in a modern laptop is such that you can create an incredibly immersive uh environment right and, and what's interesting about this is that uh i i because distribution used to be the gating factor the most businesses and most advice for businesses was focused on kind of a least common denominator business because it was so hard to solve the distribution problem that you you were best off focusing on the 80% of the market, right? And mm-hmm. so lots of advice was about this, about, you know, simplicity and, and like all these sorts of things that we we, we value. And, and um, what's interesting though is a lot of the advice for a niche market is actually the exact opposite. If you're serving a niche, you actually want to focus more on certain features. You want to focus more. You can almost take for granted some things like simplicity because the fact of the matter is anyone who cares about simplicity isn't in your market anyway. Right. And and and, and yes, are you, quote unquote, limiting entrance to, to, to your market? You are, but that's a trade-off that makes sense when your niche is big enough. Um, and, and if you think about it, I mean, to, to get into PC gaming is, is you know, it's pretty difficult uh but that doesn't make it not a bad business uh does it limit growth perhaps but there's it's the same sort of thing where where it's like the the retail example where it used to be there's a big there's a big wall at the front and once you got over that wall then then you were good to go now there's no wall in the front but there's a wall way in the back like to actually like make money uh it's the same thing for these markets in some respects used to be yeah it's you want to focus on getting customers and always having growth opportunities. Now it's like in in some markets, not all markets, in some markets it's actually okay to have a really high barrier to entry because that barrier to entry, the flip side of a barrier to entry is an immersive sort of experience that people w- would never want to give up. Like you said, no one's going to give up PC gaming for 
or gaming on a phone or game or um you know you, know, you think you'd make the same argument about about consoles to some extent as well right as i have and, and- and and PC gamers probably view consoles the same way. Like I'm not giving up my mouse and keyboard. I wanna I wanna wind back to your point about the wall at the front and the wall at the back because I think it's a fantastic point. The 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 idea being the wall at the front. What like just to spell that out for folks who may not be familiar with the retail industry. What did the wall at the front used to be? Just getting distribution. I mean, like being able to set up a store, like the cost of doing that, right? Oh, yeah, well, that, that, that's that's the that's yeah, that's the biggest wall. But for a software developer, it was actually getting getting your game I- into the market, uh, and then once right. once your game was into the market and sh- put on the shelf at CompUSA, you were going to make money by default, right? And I, yeah, I love that. It's like you're trying to get to this point, and it used to be before the internet, the wall was at the front. Like the hard thing was getting getting started, whether it was uh, getting your store set up or getting your game inside of CompUSA. But now the wall is at the back where that wall at the front's knocked down. Obviously, there are lots more people running towards the point. The point at which that people hit the wall is now in profitability. Like anyone can set up an online store. Anyone can publish one of these games, but the the limiting factor is now people's attention or getting people's awareness. And so crossing over that wall is what's necessary to be successful. I, I love that way of describing it. What's well, the same thing that we talk about with VCs and, and AWS. I mean, the, the way, the reason why the startup ecosystem has changed is because the, the place where the wall is has changed. It mm. used to be to even start a company, you needed million, literally millions of dollars to, to buy like Sun servers and Oracle databases and people to run them, right? Mm. Now you don't. You need an AWS account and they'll probably give you some credits for free. I, I mean, and so it's super easy to get started, but that means it's that much more difficult on the back end to, yeah. to actually become a, vi- a viable product and a, vi- and a viable company. And I think this is probably the pattern uh, for lots of things. It's easier to make music than ever today, right? Um, but it's, it's, some re- it's harder to monetize it in some respects. And, but the thing is, if you look at it, the, the amount of money people spend on stuff is, is relatively the same, right? It's just it's, it's redistributed and re-moved around. So I, I don't think that like, we're not moving into an era of like where everything's free. We're just moving into an era where the money that has always been captured is captured by different people in different ways because they're solving different problems that are ra- that that then because the internet solved the old problem. Yeah, and and this notion of the wall at the back, I think, results in a better experience for consumers. It's it's not again like in the gaming example. It used to be those who could uh, who could. Uh, uh, who could uh, uh, get the distribution agreements. Uh, and that was somewhat correlated with the quality of the game. But now it's the ones who can get the attention, who get the good reviews or who have built an incredible franchise. And I feel like that wall at the back is more correlated with a fantastic product or experience than it used to be with the wall at the front. Absolutely, because it's all about capturing customers and your only lever to capture customers in a world of zero distribution costs is to provide a, is to provide a superior experience. Like, so, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the whole, that's the whole aggregation theory thing. Like you win by getting the customers. And once you have the customers, then you, there's, you leverage that into, so there's two parts, right? The whole, the idea with aggregation theory is you first, you get all the customers you have all the customers, you get leverage, but you get the customers. That part has to be as frictionless as possible by definition, because you want to get as many as possible. And by frictionless, that means it's probably free because nothing is more frictionless than being free. And so, and so where does the money go? The money goes with the leverage, right? That's why it's called leverage because you can lever it to get stuff out, right? Like money. And so you have to think, all businesses have to think about themselves in two parts, particularly business operating the internet. One is the customer acquisition part and the other is the, is the money-making part. And, and maybe previously that, again, in the offline world that was so often conflated, but that's because the wall was in front. If the wall's in front where you make money, then everything after that is by definition kind of aligned, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but if, if, the, if the wall's way in the back, you, need, you also need like a, 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 a you got to get people to the wall, right? And so you almost need, you almost always need, I think, uh, a two-part strategy. All businesses need a two-part strategy, not just media companies, but all kinds of companies uh, in, in a world where distribution is free. Mm. 
I, I'm like, I, I can't decide whether to focus on your quote, which is going into our quote book of that's why it's called leverage. You lever it to make money or, or the, the, uh, uh, the, the emotive language of getting people to the wall, which could be misinterpreted if taken out of context. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that, I think that that's, that's probably, uh, we should probably end it there on that note. Uh, very good. Uh, I want to thank uh, Wealthfront. fun. Yeah, I want to thank oh, Wealthfront for uh, sponsoring this episode again, uh, for Exponent for sponsoring Wealthfront. Um, uh, Wealthfront is interesting because it automates habits and strategies that investors should be using on a regular basis, but normally aren't. Great investing is a marathon, not a sprint in little things that you may not be familiar with, like automated tax loss harvesting, uh, rebalancing smart dividend, reinvesting, and add up to very large amounts of money over time. Wealthfront does all these things to your money automatically. As an exponent listener, you'll get $15,000 managed for free, uh, speaking of money, uh, if you decide to open an account, but just start with seeing the portfolio that they would suggest for you. You can take two minutes, fill out their questionnaire at wealthfront.com slash exponent. It's free, and you don't even need to give them your email address. You can just try it out. So it's wealthfront.com slash exponent. And our thanks to them for for uh, sponsoring Exponent. And again, I mean, one of uh, any number of products. And this is why so many about technology products, and particularly internet-based products, are um, they're so much cheaper, right? Uh, but they're like it, it, here's another here's another trade-off where it goes both ways. One mm-hmm. is um, the internet, because the internet enables you to reach so many more customers, you can actually be way more valuable charging less per customer, right? You make it up mm. in volume, right? And I'm not using the jokey 1999 version. Like you actually know, you actually make it up in volume. If you, if a penny from a million customers, right? I have to quick do some math in my head. Uh, is is a penny from a million customers is a thousand dollars, right? That's just as good as a dollar from a thousand customers by definition. And it usually turns out that because of the way the internet scales. Uh, you'll actually end up making more by charging less or earning less, less per customer. And uh, and so, which is great. It's, no, it's another great thing in why I'm optimistic about technology. Like by definition, more people are getting access to a service that was limited. Sorry, if I can rant again. The other thing that irks me about people looking back to the old days, you look back to the old days of software development. It was great for the software developers that couldn't comp USA and it sucked for everybody else, mm. right? We complain about the app store having a monopoly. Like that, that's yeah. It, it, there, let's applaud more competition. There's lots of good things that that come from that, um, but people want there to simultaneously only be be easy to make money in the app store and that everyone can have access. Where everyone has access, I mean, only me. Yeah, that's right. That's what. That's what's. That's the crux. Easy to. I only me. I, I like that. All right. Uh, sounds good. We went long, um, but uh, but it was uh, good talking as always, and. Uh, we will. Oh, next week is Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, James. Happy Thanksgiving in the United States. Well, uh, so, uh, combination of Thanksgiving and now you traveling. Uh, there won't be an exponent next week, uh, but we'll be back the first week of December. Sounds good. I'll speak to you then. All right. Sounds good. Have a great day. See you, mate. Bye bye. Wealthfront is an SSE registered investment advisor. Investing in securities involves risks, and there is the possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit wealthfront.com to read their full disclosure.